Welcome back. Third hour of the Bill Michael Show. Third hour. Good to have you. Joining us now, uh, our guy, uh, Zach Heilprin. Uh, he's the sports director at WOZN Madison, which is our flagship station. And uh, to talk a little bit more about that win that was on Friday night, going back to Friday night for the uh, Wisconsin Badgers. Zach, how you doing today, bud? Doing great. So give me your thought, because I had said that 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 was a little more impressive to me, not because it was just, uh, you know, of the score, but the fact that I didn't see finger pointing in the secondary uh, that, yeah, they got gashed a little bit in the second half of that ball game, But for the most part, I thought uh, it was a more all around performance. It was more fundamentally sound performance. There were still some you know mishaps, but for the most part, it was better than what we had witnessed. Give me your thoughts on what you saw on Friday night. Well, yeah, you talk about all-around win. What's the term that they always use? Complimentary football, play com- yes. complimentary football. They did, right? They got off to a great start offensively. They scored touchdowns on their first three possessions. They forced three turnovers, a couple in really key spots. Actually, all three kind of in key spots. And, yes, they got gashed in the running game a little bit. But the passing defense was better against the Hudson Card-led Purdue squad that has some talented players. So there was, I think, a lot to be extremely uh, happy about. Obviously, the big one downside, the injury to Ches Malusi and what that does for that backfield. But overall, you have to be really impressed in probably their best performance so far this year. And you were kind of waiting for it because they had done a, they would, they had done a little bit good here and then a lot of bad. It had been back and forth, but – Friday night was a lot of good, and yes, again, I know there was some bad, but that was probably their most complete performance, and has to give you a little bit of confidence heading into the rest of the year that the offense can get off to good starts and put some points on the board early. Now let's talk about the Chesmalusi injury. Do we know the extent of that yet? Yeah, so I know that uh, it was reported by ESPN that it's a fractured fibula, which will obviously keep him out for the rest of the season. It's a huge loss. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a huge loss. And I, I think as soon as anybody saw it, it was kind of like, all right, well, he's not coming back this year. It was it was a nasty one. We've seen a couple of those here of late. It's never pretty. But, yeah, unlikely, likely out this year for the rest of the year. The good thing about this, Bill, is he's got a chance to come back for a sixth season. Uh, he never redshirted down at Clemson. This would have been his fifth year, but he can use this as his redshirt year and then potentially use his COVID year as his sixth year if he wants to come back. Who knows if he wants to do that, but – at least uh, he's got that in his back pocket if he does. Still have Braylon Allen, obviously, and you still have a decent run game, and Tanner Mordecai certainly can scramble and has his feet. I mean, it's not like the uh, the entire offense is lost because of it, but now you really kind of hold your breath because Braylon Allen's it. You don't have much of a run game beyond that when it comes to the depth chart, right? Correct, yeah. I mean, they have – I mean, Chaz – Braylon had 52 carries through four games, and Chaz had 51, so they were splitting reps – pretty evenly and both have been productive and Braylon's averaging over seven yards to carry Chaz was at six so it was actually a pretty good run game for them the way things were going my concern here is the last two times this has happened with Chaz going out with an injury 2021 where he tore his ACL Braylon had to take on 20 plus carries a game and he wore down towards the end of the year and he was kind of a shell of himself against Minnesota in the finale that year that they lost and then last year Chaz breaks his arm he was able to come back but he was still out for more than a month and it forced more carries on Braylon Allen, and he was dinged up and didn't even play in the Minnesota game last year. So how do they how do they limit Braylon's carries and still be effective in the run game? Jackson Aker is going to be the first one up, uh, fullback. I should say running back turned fullback, back to running back. He's kind of a big body. And then they have Katie Akamelia, a guy who was playing safety last year, 
moved over to running back, really, really good running back out of Pennsylvania. But outside of that, they just don't have any depth at that spot. I, uh, I, it wasn't as if Purdue put up this massive fight, but I did. I was impressed with the the defense more so than anything. I, the fact that uh, you know James Thompson Jr. got to the quarterback, I think once or twice. Uh, you know Daryl Peterson uh, had a couple of tackles for losses. I mean they, they were back there in the uh, in the backfield. They were getting pressure on the quarterback as well. I, things at least to me it looked a little bit better up front, and which then caused the secondary, in my opinion, to be to play a little bit better. Did you see it the same way? Yeah, I agree. They did get out for the passer, and James Thompson Jr. has kind of been a revelation. They needed a guy to step in for Keanu Benton and be a playmaker along the defensive line, and James Thompson Jr. has certainly done that, especially these last two weeks. Even going back to the Washington State game, he made some plays uh, in the backfield, and that's kind of what they want out of their defensive linemen. They are not a hold-up blockers and let our linebackers go make plays defensive line like it has been in past years. They've been they want guys to create havoc on the other side of the line, and James Thompson Jr. certainly stepped into that role and done it. Um, some other guys certainly had made plays. Caden uh, Johnson getting after the quarterback. Darian Barner making a heads-up play after uh, the ball was picked up by the running back, and he just knocks it out of his hands and dives on it, even though you know, kind mm-hmm. of made, it may have felt like it was a dead play, but it wasn't. It was a huge turnover there forced by Wisconsin. So, yeah, the front uh, against the pass I thought was really, really good. My concern, obviously, is the, the running defense. Um, they gave up 194 yards to a team that does not run the ball very well. And a lot of them were big plays. I think they had nine runs of 10 or more yards. They had, I think 154 of their 94, of 194 yards came on nine plays. That has to be uh, a huge concern for them because there have been gashes like that in the first three weeks too. And you know teams are going to see that on film and, and want to take advantage of it. Now what's the answer for it? I think you need a little bit more um, better play from your inside linebackers, that's for sure. Jake Cheney and, and Jordan Turner, I don't think, played the run overly well the other night. They can be better and, and have to be better against better competition. So good and bad. That's that's kind of what we've seen from Wisconsin's defense. But it was bend but don't break, though, right? They, they bent, yeah. but they ended up only giving up. Uh, you know, they gave up the 17 points, but they came up with some huge plays turnover-wise to kind of tilt the you know field in their favor a little bit. To be up 21-3 at half was solid, and I agree with you. But I agree with you in the run game in the sense that you had all four ball carriers in that game have runs of, I believe, 15 or more. I mean, because Tracy and Downing, I think, each had uh, carries of close to 25. Long, their longs were 25, and then I think it was uh, Card and McCoby each had 15 or better. But I, I agree with you. It was, it was, There was some gashing runs where you kind of went, oh, man, you know, God, the holes were blown open. And then you start to wonder, you know, okay, is it just because this is Purdue? Or, you know, are things going to get much worse as you start to face stiffer competition down the stretch? Is this something that, in your opinion, is fixable? Yes, because I think uh, a lot of these guys, save for obviously Kendall Benton, was a huge part of their run defense last year. A lot of these guys were part of defenses last year that were top 10 in the country against the rush. So it's not like these guys can't do it. It's um, I, I think they also were missing Wumajong Meta, who did not play except for one play. Still a little uncertain on the exact reason for him not playing, whether it was an injury or something else. He played one play. It was the final play of the game for Purdue. It, it didn't make a ton of sense to us. And the answers we got were the responses from Luke Fickle afterwards, it was a little murky as well. So I'm not exactly sure what the reason for it was. But he's he was a big part of the run defense last year, and he didn't play at all on uh, on Friday night except for one play. So I think that plays a role. They have the ability to do it. It's uh, But thir- you know Friday night is not how it can be. You can't win games consistently if teams are putting up 
200 yards rushing on you. You go back and look throughout the last four years here, that's the second most rushing yards they've given up in the last four years. Only Ohio State put up more yards on them. So, And Purdue is not a running team. It is going to be a focus, I have to imagine, for other teams that face this Wisconsin uh, defense to try and test them. If, if they can run the ball down their throats, it's going to be a long, long Big Ten season. Yeah, next up on the docket, they get a little bit of a week to kind of correct themselves, do a lot of self-scouting. In the meantime, Rutgers is going to be play, playing Wagner. Uh, they just lost 31-7. to They got drilled by Michigan uh, this past weekend, Michigan number two in the country. So we obviously know that you know it, it isn't like they got beat by non-staunch competition. But they've beaten Northwestern. They've beaten Temple. They've beaten Virginia Tech. They've been averaging almost 30 points a game up until the Michigan game. So what do you see out of Rutgers that is going to give pause for concern when they come rolling in here in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Michigan game, it, it looked – like a blowout, right? Thirty-one to seven. It was fourteen to seven at half. I watched. Mm-hmm. I was able to watch the. I was actually able to watch most of it. They see. It seems like Greg Schiano starting to get some of his guys in there, and he. I think it was talked about during the broadcast where they have been able to start getting guys that are going to look like men in their program, as opposed to when he arrived, where he's you know he's trying to play with a bunch of boys. I think it was his his uh, message there. Is they're going to. This is the third. This is the third, fourth year for him. So he's. They're starting to build it up here a little bit. But yeah, uh, Gavin Wimsett, their quarterback, is going to provide a huge test for Wisconsin because he's got the ability to run. Um, he's also thrown pretty well, much better than he was a year ago. Um, but he's he's also probably one of their leading rushers so far this year. It's going to be a it's going to be a test, and it's going to be an 11 a.m. game, and it's going to be on Peacock. Bill, do you have Peacock? I don't. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah. I right. Don't. You and everybody else. So this game right. this is going to be the first game, this Wisconsin game, will be the first time Wisconsin plays on this platform. And it got announced yesterday, and there were a lot of people not happy about it. But this is what yeah. the money is for. This is what the Big Ten's paying for, a billion dollars so they can put games on a streaming uh, platform that not a ton of people have. Is Peacock attached to anything? I mean, uh, do you have to pay for that separately, or is it attached to another yeah. platform? It's not attached to another platform. It's NBC's platform. It's NBC's yeah. streaming platform. So. Yeah, you uh, you have to pay for it. It's only six bucks a month, and you can I mean you can cancel right after if you wanted to. So it's, I don't, it's like paying six bucks, but I think there's a lot of it's the principle of it for for some people. But uh-huh. um, this is the way it's going to be. I mean, there's going to be basketball games on it as well. This you know during during the season. So I think it's something probably we're going to have to get used to. Yeah, that's the unfortunate side of things. Uh, Zach, great stuff as always, and then we'll talk more down the line. Okay. All right, sounds good, Bill. Thank you. Appreciate it, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. Uh, Grant, you have Peacock, right? Oh, yeah. If anyone needs a Peacock, well, not anyone. I, I can only give it to so many people. But if you need a Peacock login, I got you, Bill. <laughs> well, here's my question. Um, what is on Peacock that I would enjoy? Ooh. Now, keep in mind, I'm a huge Dateline fan. So I don't know if Dateline is on there. I just got it, uh, I think, over Labor Day weekend because the Brewers were playing on it. And then, you know, I, I said, well, I'll cancel it. But then I opened it up one time, and House is on there, and I love House. Uh, and Yellowstone is on there. And I've never seen Yellowstone, but I, I think of myself as a little bit of a cowboy on the inside. So I was like, I'll give this show a try, and that's been okay. pretty good. Pac Fan says every episode of Dateline is on Peacock. Well, there you go. Yeah. Why do you like Dateline so much? I didn't, I didn't think of you as a true I, crime murder I, mystery no, guy. No, I always have been. I don't know why. You know when I got into date, Dateline? Um, uh, I started watching it years ago, but I started out my career, for those that didn't know, was in television. I was a reporter. 
And that was one of the things that I did was I was the murder guy. I was wherever somebody got killed, that was where I was. And when they would find bodies and such in Cincinnati, that's where I was. And I, you know, worked a brief stint uh, at one of the major news networks uh, when the uh, American Eagle crashed in Indianapolis. And I did that and went through the investigatory process and everything. And it's funny because uh, my son, who's now a police officer, and a buddy of mine who heads up Texas Equisearch, which goes out and searches for bodies and people that are missing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I get into these fascinating conversations with them and deducing certain things. And I've just always been that way. I have always thought that if I wasn't doing what I did today, then I might have ended up being some kind of a, an officer at some point down the road or maybe an investigator because that just has always fascinated me because I am a deducer. You kind of look at things in a certain way and you say, okay, is this right or wrong? And what things are out of the ordinary? And I've, you know, I go all the way back to when I was coming out of high school and I had just turned 22, I think, uh, after I'd been out for just a little while. Uh, my neighbor ended up running a, uh, a BP station. She had number, a number of BP stations and she could not figure out where somebody was stealing from her. One of her employees, she couldn't figure out where. And I just said, you know, hey, I'll, I'll work for you for a little while. I didn't have anything going on you know, part-time. And I ended up figuring it out. It's just that's what I was fascinated by. So anyway, long story short, it's that I got into Datelines. And, man, you want to talk about something in the middle of the night that will, you know, kind of I go to sleep to? I hate to say it, but that's what I do. And half the time we wake up in the morning and we're like, who killed him? And I don't know. I got to watch it again. You know, that type of thing. But it's always been you know, the Dateline stuff, when you kind of figure out and you start to watch and you look at the clues and you think of stuff, what people say or don't say, that's the stuff that I've I've liked, forensic shows like that. So, But it's true life stuff. The stuff that's made up, eh, you know, not so much. It needs to be real for you? You're not like a criminal yeah. minds guy? No, it needs to be real. It needs to be real. Uh, I'm not a criminal minds seeker because it's so, it's written and produced by Hollywood. Whereas Dateline is just focusing on the facts. And I, I've said this, man, in today's day and age, I am so stunned at when you hear about, uh, you know, shootings and stuff in cities, how how anybody at this point gets away with anything because there are cameras everywhere, everywhere. How in the world we don't catch more people doing more crimes and doing more things. I have no idea. But with security and footage and phones and because you watch a lot of this. I just watched one last night about the uh, the I-70 killer and, um, and and how that is still an ongoing investigation. And you go back to the 70s. I mean, all these different things that they had available at their their fingertips back back then were not or, or were not available as they are today. They didn't have DNA. They didn't have high def security cameras. They didn't have Ring. They didn't have all that different stuff that's stored to your phone. So I I can't only imagine what investigators went through back then as opposed to today. Today it's mostly digital. You followed phones. You follow pings. You follow follow the video. You you know. So anyway, long story short is I, I, I watch that stuff. So if that's on Peacock, maybe I will. Maybe I'll go out and invest in the uh, in the uh, $6 a month for Peacock. By the way, for many of you asking, uh, yes, the uh, the shirt that I'm wearing today uh, is honor of the Combat Vets Association. Uh, Combat Vets, uh, the veteran riders uh, came along with me on the motorcycle ride. They do all the time. But one of the Combat Vets actually stayed at Fisher House. His family stayed at Fisher House when he was receiving treatment after coming back, uh, I believe it was from Afghanistan. Anyway, long story short is uh, when we were at the uh, golf outing this year, 
they had a, a booth set up and they were doing different grunt style shirts and all the proceeds were going to Fisher House. So they wanted to give me some, but because it was a donation to Fisher House, I said, no, I'll buy them. So, and they threw one in the pack. So I bought five shirts and they gave me one. And uh, so I wear them when I can and I support them when I can because they continue to not only support us in the Fisher House, Wisconsin, but the Combat Veterans Writers Association, them and the Purple Hearts. Those are the people that actually saw action. Those are the people that are actually there in the trenches doing what we would be, you know, not willing to do. And that is that is fighting. So uh, I appreciate them so much. So that's the reason I wore this today is because I was kind of pulling out some of the bags that I'd had from over the summer. And this was there. And I thought, you know what? Damn it. I'm going to do it. So that's the reason I'm wearing it today. All right. That being said, going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping? I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, make sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do. Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers end at 9-30-2023. Good to have you on board today. Bill Michael Show. Continuing on in this uh, Tuesday, the 26th of September. I cannot believe this weekend is uh, is going to be October 1st. I, I just, I'm like, where the hell did the summer go? Oh, my goodness. Just flying past us. If you want to get a hold of the program, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Mark says, how many of the grunt-style shirts do you have? I don't have a ton. Uh, I'd like to get a couple more, but I don't have a ton. I I got so many T-shirts. Oh, my God. Uh, I will say this. I rotate them once a year. I give a ton to either Goodwill or St. Vincent de Paul, or there's always some charity rummage sale or something going on uh, at the churches nearby that I can drop stuff off if I see it usually in, like, the community uh, Facebook pages. So I'll do that. But uh, I have so many shirts, and I like so many. I, I like T-shirts from different places. Um, I like retro shirts. So I've just got so many that I've got. I think I've got four like one whole chest of drawers, which is six drawers, is full of T-shirts. That's all it is is T-shirts. Um, and then you get to my closet, and I've got shelves on top of my closets, on top of my hanging clothes. 
And there's T-shirts there along with all my jeans. Uh, I used to be like a real clothes whore between that and pullovers. I love pullovers. So uh, I've got all of that. But, man, I just, that's, T-shirts are, I, but I do like it when I get them from places uh, throughout the state and such, you know. Uh, I do. I do like those. Uh, I, I got a Buzzer Billy shirt I love. I've worn, uh, like, Social House and Stoley's Hog Alley and a lot of the sponsor shirts and uh, but I love the, uh, the, 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 like the microfiber material, you know, the really soft material. Sometimes just those heavy-ass cotton shirts, I'm not a fan of. I mean, I've got a couple from different places that they've given them to me, and I've worn them once or twice, you know, to be on the air. But ugh. there's so much more comfortable stuff out there now. Uh, JJ says uh, Walmart already has Christmas stuff out. Oh, I know. I know. They're not even through the Halloween stuff yet. And they already have the Christmas stuff going in at Home Depot. By the way, speaking of decorations, has anybody noticed those, I don't know if they're 15 or 20 foot tall, those giant skeletons and the animated dudes that rock in the front yard and they, they wave their hands and stuff. Has anybody noticed that? Do you see those when you're running around out in Madison, Grant? Oh, yeah. Madison, we love decorating. We, we go all out. Oh, my God. Do you know how much those things are? Who spends 500 bucks on that stuff for Halloween decorations? Someone who's in the Halloween spirit. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> By the way, are inflatables decorations? Seriously? Decoration to me was always, if you're going to put, decorate, you, you, you're, <laughs> excuse me, you're lighting a Christmas tree. You're putting lights on a tree. Okay? Or you're buying your pumpkins. You're putting them out. You're setting them up. You're putting them, like, on, on the old, uh, you know, apple crate cases and you're building a display just sticking a cord in something's ass and watching it inflate that to me is not a decoration just so you know just so you know i it's just, inflatables to me are just eh. they become cliche i like that take a lot maybe uh this is my hgtv self speaking here but you get some pumpkins and some gourds maybe in a whiskey barrel yes. you know in the front yes. yard some mums some fall flowers yes. i'm with you on this decorating take yeah i yes Plugging in somebody's ass and watching it blow up in your front yard does not necessarily mean you're decorating for the for the holiday spirit. It means you're just lazy. So, come on, man. Put some effort into it. Uh, you know, and, and it, here's the other thing. Sticking one of those things in the ground in front of your house that, like, blows Santas and ghosts and stuff all over your house. You know what I'm talking about? Those little LED things? Oh, yeah. That you put the different scenes in front of the light and it suddenly there's, you know, little spooky ghosts floating around your house. That's not putting up lights either. Just so you know. <laughs> that's a, that's the late that although I got a neighbor, uh, he's an older guy, he's retired, but his his kids come over, and I think I've told the story before, but his grandkids come over and he, <laughs> he just puts that thing up and he uh, you can hear him, Grandpa, I gotta put Christmas lights up. I did put them up, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> that's it. He's one plug done. Screw it. You know, that's awesome. That's the best. Uh, but no, that's not putting up lights. Putting up lights is actually putting up lights, plural, not just, uh, you know, one thing in front of your house that just has little gobs and goblins and spooks and ghosts and stuff floating around. That's that's not it. Same I'm gonna, thing when it comes I'm, to Christmas. I'm going to go to Goodwill this week and I'm going to find some big inflatable ghost or pumpkin or something and I'm going to I'm going to show up in the middle of the night <laughs> when you're asleep and I'm going to yeah. set that thing up in your front yard. You're going to wake up with your morning coffee and look out your front window and, yeah. and there it's going to be. 
I'll, I'll stab that thing like an intruder. <laughs> Just start blasting out the front door. Right. I'll ninja his ass like a throwing star. I'll do a tuck and roll right behind the bushes and pop up and stab the hell out of it. Uh, yes, Mike, projector lights are not decorations. Yes, I, I agree 100%. And my buddy uh, Jason, who lives out in Arizona, says there's a lot of people out here who don't even take their Christmas lights down. Oh, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Good stuff. All right, let's do this. Uh, our buddy Chuck Freeman. Uh, I wonder what kind of uh, brutal decorations he smashed over the weekend when the when the Brewers did not clinch. I wonder if there's bobbleheads sprayed all throughout his home or out the window. But we'll talk with Chuck when we come back. Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there. Great Lakes and Drag Away. And if you still have the need for speed, they got it going on with Speedtoberfest. Uh, check them out, 262-302-2138, 262-302-2138, or go to greatlakesdragaway.com. That's greatlakesdragaway.com down in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you the Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on, we'll be talking some baseball coming up here momentarily, trying to get hold of our buddy Chuck Freeman from the Locked On Brewers podcast. Um, David says, decorating for Christmas used to be a family affair and not anymore. This is true. When you start talking about the decoration thing, then again, it's kind of like what you uh, what do you enjoy, you know? If you enjoy doing it with, because how do I put this? There's a lot of things where we say back in the day, or it used to be, and on one hand we look for the kind of like I guess might be the values that we used to have, or the good old times that we used to have. And those are gone. You're kind of sad to see them go, but there is there are new things you can do. But uh, but I agree. I, it was you know both my mom and dad have passed away. It was always you know that was a big deal. My mom, man, boy, I tell you what, she used to put on the Raycon of singers and flip on the uh, the record album, and it was decorate the house, and usually through an album which was about an hour and a half, an hour's worth of music maybe long, you had the house pretty much decorated. And now, I mean, like with my house, especially around the holidays, because it's uh, we we do the host a Christmas party here, it gets pretty elaborate, I guess. And then every year it's a little bit more and a little bit more, whether it's going to Kirkland's or Hobby Lobby or something like that. (laughs) It tends to grow. I got to buy a house just to buy a house for the decorations. You know, just to have another place to store all the decorations. So anyway, are you a big decorator, Grant? Uh, I always holidays and such? spiritually I want to be, and then Christmas time comes around. I'm like, well, I don't want to go have to buy stuff, and it's a whole right. thing. So I want to, like, I, I love decorations. I just don't like the actual act of having to do it, which I guess is more yes. of a laziness thing. Yep. No, it's uh, in here. It's like a two, three day affair. It's like you do it over the weekend. You know, you're not just gonna, you know, 
not going to just do it for for uh, you know one day. It, it doesn't happen that way because some of this stuff's pretty intricate. When you start to put up uh, the screws and stuff that hold up all the garland that goes around the big fireplace and everything, that that takes a while. That's not easy. So anyway. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, feel free. Go ahead and give us a shout. Uh, this is from uh, Charity. Charity says, uh, hey, uh, oh, no, never mind. I, she said, I heard you were looking for a bottle of Blanton's. No, somebody was talking about uh, 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 celebrating with Blanton's tonight. But thank you very much. I, I love a bottle of Blanton's, to be honest with you. They're very tough to get. Not easy. Now, there are websites that you can go to, but you overpay if you're willing to do that. That's where I've gotten mine. I got a, uh, a bottle of Blanton's, Blanton's, two bottles of Buffalo Trace, a bottle of Eagle Rare, all from, and a bottle of Old Wellers, uh, all from uh, a particular website that I go to, a place called Wooden Cork. Go to woodencork.com, and you can get it there. Uh, but that's But you overpay for it. <laughs> You know, when my buddies buy it, when because they, they live down near, uh, they're in Cincinnati, and uh, you go across the river, and you can find it a little more attainable there, and they don't pay nearly that for it. You know, even for single barrel, they don't pay pay nearly that. So, uh, Gene says, uh, "Hey, unit, um, I believe tonight is going to be the night that the Brewers clinch. Would you start resting players after that? We had this uh, question last week. When it comes to resting, who do you want to rest and why?" You know what I mean? It's baseball. It's not like you're running up and down the court. You do. I mean, look, playing baseball is a is a two and a half hour to three and a half hour affair. I get it. Um, you know, you're only involved in the game when the ball is hitting your direction, or you're at the plate and you actually put the ball in play. Uh, it's not like it's it's not as demanding a sport as say going up and down the court in the NBA or getting beat up physically via you know, football or even lacrosse or, you know, the constant running that is soccer. It's um, – and, and I don't want to degrade baseball either because you got to be in, in tremendous athletic shape to withstand 162 games. So, yeah, you do want guys to be able to rest, but it's not like you're going to sit guys for a week. You know what I mean? So, I – I mean, I don't know. I'm, yeah, you give guys a day off here and there, and today – they're back at it after being off a day yesterday, but you only got a, a you know, you only got a week left. I mean, <laughs> what do you do? You know, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Jake says, uh, "Hey Bill, uh, I think I would go with Burns, Woodruff, then Peralta, and then Miley as my four re- starting guys in the rotation." See, why would you mix it up? Why would you mix it up like that? Because it hasn't been that way all season long. You've been pretty successful. Unless, of course, here's the other thing to think of. Maybe, now, maybe the only thing I would change, could you flip-flop Woodruff and Burns? Keep Peralta the same, but would you flip-flop Woodruff and Burns? Because Corbin Burns has been, throughout the season, traditionally the guy that just can't get run support. Would you change that just to mix it up? You know what I mean? I don't know if I would, but it's just throwing it out there. 
Uh, then David, David finally says, uh, hey, guys, I think we're missing the big picture. Uh, Thursday night's game is for supremacy in the NFC North. And while I do believe that the Packers need to show up and play extremely well, it's probably more imperative that the Detroit Lions do it because they are expected to be on top. The pressure is all on Detroit coming into Lambeau Field and not on the Green Bay Packers. First of all, I don't think we're overlooking it. I think it's kind of master of the obvious. However, I think it is how, – how would I want to say this? I would agree with you that the pressure is on Detroit because Detroit has expectations. The Packers didn't really have much expectation coming into the year. So I'm not saying they're flying under the radar because they're the Green Bay Packers. You don't fly under the radar. But they're – the expectations that were on Detroit, I would agree with you, there's probably more pressure there. But also, don't forget, you're playing at home. You didn't play well on Sunday. And even though you walked away with a win, and even though things seemed to be uh, a little bit better, for lack of a better term, because you did walk away with a victory, I, I don't know necessarily that I believe that you have any less pressure. It's a Thursday night game, nationally televised game. You're playing at Lambeau Field game. You know, I mean, everything that goes along with the beginning of your season, you know, the first thing you want to do is protect your home field. The second thing you want to do is win your divisional games. You know, you steal some on the road, and next thing you know, you find yourself in the postseason. So I, I think the pressure probably, while I agree with you, it, it may, if you're going to have a percentage, I guess, if you maybe 55% of it's on Detroit, maybe a little bit more. But for the most part, I mean, no, this is this is Lambeau Field, man. You you keep and own your home turf. I would I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And it, we're not overlooking it. I just think when it comes to pressure at this point, it's probably a moot point when it comes to a story. Uh the pressure early on in the season for the opener, certainly. There was a lot there in many different ways, but with this, man, not concerned about it. Not concerned about it. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, you can. Don't know where Chuck's at. So we were going to talk some Brewers baseball, and uh, Chuck is not answering. So we uh, maybe he'll give us a shout back, but Chuck is not answering at the moment. He might be on the – well, then again, it's raining, so maybe he just stayed in bed. Who knows? Maybe he stayed in bed. Certainly didn't have a late night doing a Brewers game last night, so for the Lockdown Brewers podcast, maybe he just took a day off and figured he'd be back later on tonight after the game. But uh, maybe we'll still touch base with him throughout the day. Ricky, good to uh, good to hear from you, pal. Ricky says, uh, what about the run game if Aaron Jones cannot come back and be infective? It's one thing to have a hamstring injury. It's another thing to be able to play well with a hamstring injury. Uh, I don't think that it's going to affect him all season long, but certainly I don't want to rush him back. But if it does, who would be your go-to guy beyond him? Would you start looking at making the trade for Jonathan Taylor? that's going to be something that's going to be discussed. Again, it just depends on what they're going to want. I think Taylor's done for the season, so, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he went on IR, if I'm not mistaken. Do you do you know that for a fact, Grant, uh, by any chance? What was that? I think he Sorry, went, I, I just tried I, I to think, call Chuck again. <laughs> no, that's okay. I think Jonathan Taylor went on the IR. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, they put him on the pup, I know, so that, that kept him out for the first four games. I don't think think he got added to IR we haven't really talked about Jonathan Taylor uh, no Jonathan on Taylor's on the pup you're right you're he's he's on the pup list yeah he's still on the pup list so he would not even be eligible until what next week or no two weeks to be able to come back two weeks to be able to come back but 
And Anthony Richardson's banged up down there in Indianapolis, too, so they're going to need him to come back if, if Richardson's not going to be able to come back anytime soon, which I think he will be. But, yeah, you're not going to get him right away anyway. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, if you're going to make that deal, I, I guess you would make that deal if he comes back and starts to play well or something to that effect, but I, I don't know. I, at this point, I think you're going to run with the horses that you have unless there's some dynamic deal that's out there. That would be the one I would look at, certainly. I would not poo-poo it or ignore it, but there's quite a few teams that they're talking about that are going to jump into the Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes, and I just don't know if the Packers are going to, especially not having another first-round draft choice now because of the Aaron Rodgers situation, I uh, I just kind of think that, eh, I, I think that that might be, uh, the, the price for that might end up being too much, to be honest. So there you go. Uh, let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break uh, and come back. Got a whole lot more uh, of the uh, of the Bill Michael Show coming up, this portion of the program. Brought to you by our friends over there at Skipper Bud. Skipper Bud. Now, and I know it's it's late in the season. We're going to have a warm weather season. But after this week, it might start getting cool. So if you're thinking about winterization, which you should, uh, think about Skipper Buds. Winterizing it, storing it. You can even shrink wrap it to make sure that uh, nothing gets in it. It stays clean over the wintertime. Skipper Buds, Pewaukee Boat Sales Service and Storage. Todd's the GM over there. He's the guy. Call him, 262-544-1200. 262-544-1200. Tell Todd I sent you that Skipper Buds and Pewaukee. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping? I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, make sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do. Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details, offers end at 9-30-2023. Good to have you back. The Bill Michael Show continuing on. Uh, Wayne wants to know. Wayne says, uh, hey, unit, uh, are you going to be sharing some of that Blanton's? Uh, it's very hard to find. Yes, it is. And no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, he said, I'll see you over at Harvest Fair on Friday night? Question mark. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to be heading over. Uh, that's the last weekend of the Budweiser Pavilion. And we're going to go over there and hang out uh, a little bit. I know they have um, they have pretty good music coming up this weekend out there. And uh, other than Friday Night Lights, nothing else going on. So, yeah, I'm going to be heading over to the uh, State Fair Pavilion, State Fair uh, Park, and uh, the Bud Pavilion coming up on Friday night. And then I think this weekend's just take-it-easy weekend. Just 
I know we've got some people coming to the house on uh, on on Sunday, uh, which has been scheduled for a long time, which is part of the reason I couldn't make it to to Oktoberfest this weekend. So Thursday night Packers game, Friday night State Fair Park making an appearance at the Bud Pavilion, the final one of the season. Saturday, I, I don't know what's going on on Saturday. I think we got a dinner uh, that we're going to. And then after that, um, some people on Sunday and then back at it on Monday. So looking forward to the weekend. Absolutely. Uh, let's do. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's talk to Ron listening to us in Madison. Ron, welcome to the program, The Bill Michael Show. What's going on, man? Hi, Bill. Uh, I'm going to turn on the radio tonight and listen to the uh, Brewers game with uh, Bob Buecher on my radio here in Madison. Mm-hmm. So after we win tonight, uh, I got some uh, Coca-Cola and I got a small bottle of Jim Beam. That's, there you go. Good old-fashioned uh, Beam and drink. Coke. Yeah, Beam yeah, and Coke. Beam and Appreciate, Coke. Appreciate it, pal. Thanks, Ron. Uh, good old-fashioned Beam and Coke. Beam and Coke, Jack and Coke. That was uh, when I owned the bar. Those were the, the two populars at the time. Now it's uh, – you still get the Beam and Coke, the Jack and Coke, the Kessler and Coke. You got a ton of craft beers now that you got to keep up with. You do get some. Uh, you get some. Oh, by the way, speaking of drinks, speaking of drinks, I was just asked this the other day, and uh, Joette uh, down at Nice Ash was asking me about this. Uh, do I do that uh, that drink now that uh, apple cider is now in season? Uh, do I and I do coming up this weekend. I'm doing a big batch of it. So do, do you know the uh, the cider drink? That I enjoy pouring uh, Grant Bills. You're if a, you're a you're bourbon a guy, cider guy. Well, like Jim so Beam Apple. No, 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 no. So what you do is you take two shots of like bullet bourbon, pour it in a glass, uh, and if you can put it in a in a shaker, it's even better. Then you take uh, what I do is I go find like really good authentic maple syrup, and then you take. And I put it into like a ketchup bottle, a squeeze ketchup bottle. And you take like just a, enough to put about a half an inch worth of maple syrup on the bottom of the glass. Then you pour in the rest of it is uh, you fill the rest of a rocks, a bigger glass, a bigger pint glass with a, just pure apple cider. It can't be apple juice. It's got to be apple cider. And then you put in a couple of shakes of orange bitters. And then you put it in a shaker and you mix it up and then you pour it back into the glass over rocks. Oh, my. It will change your life. Can I have one of those at the wagon wheel sometime? I, I want to try this. You can. Uh, I am going to, I know what I'm doing on Saturday. As a matter of fact, I am going down to the Elegant Farmer down in Elkhorn. I'm going down there because I'm picking up, I have to go pick up two apple pies, pie in a bag, and then I have to pick up uh, two gallons of apple cider. So that's where I'm going this weekend. So that's my Saturday trip. But, yeah, that you want to change your life? There you go. I'm all over this. And, it, and it's only in fashion, you know, during the fall because that's when usually the ciders are most prevalent. But you find really good apple cider, fresh apple cider, and then some bullet bourbon, and that's the way to go. Because you don't want to put, like, a bourbon. You don't want to put, you know, like a Blanton's or anything like that in there because you don't. that's better straight up. But a bullet, that's bullet bourbon right there. There you go. That'll make your uh, – that'll make your – your day and you and now if you're a cigar smoker you do that with a cigar Poof. have at it face first like you're going to the electric chair later that evening it's that good uh by the way speaking of our buddy chuck uh chuck freeman will join us coming up here in just a few minutes uh we're about four minutes away from uh, talking some brewers baseball as chuck was indisposed i can only imagine that he was probably looking at a bob Uecker bobblehead while sitting on the toilet 
So <laughs> I was about to chime in. Maybe he was decorating his yard, but you painted a better picture yeah. than I did. No, he's all baseball all the time. He's probably in there doing his best euchre imitation while he's going, damn it, I'm out of paper. So, uh, so that was Chucker. So uh, Chuck Freeman's going to join us just after the top of the hour. We'll talk with Chuck uh, about this Brewers team clinching tonight and how sweet it'll be when they clinch this thing again against the St. They not only eliminated St. Louis, but now they can clinch against St. Louis. And that way everything's pretty much done and wrapped up by the time the uh, Cubs come rolling into town. And uh, when you get into the uh, the standings in a wild card side of things, uh, thing, it's a pretty tight race over in the uh, the National League. You got the Cubs right now. If the season ended today, they would be in. However, the Marlins are only a game back. Cincinnati's two and a half back, and I think their hopes are pretty much gone at this point. But uh, you've got Philadelphia half game up, or five games up, excuse me, Arizona and the Cubs, uh, both 82 and 74 in the season. Miami, 81 and 75. They're only a game back. So if uh, the Cubs lose, Miami wins a couple. Who knows? All of a sudden, the Cubs are on the outside looking in. Same as Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati makes some of their own breaks, but technically they're three games back at this point, and they need to make up some ground. I don't think they're going to be able to do it this week. I think their season's going to come to an end, and everybody else is pretty much uh, short of, you know, being eliminated. They're on the cusp of being eliminated. San Diego's five-and-a-half back. San Francisco's four-and-a-half back. Technically, they have a shot, but it's pretty much over for them. But Cincinnati maybe has a gasp, but right now it's a three-team race with uh, Miami, Chicago, and Arizona all vying for that final spot uh, in the uh, in the postseason. So. There you have it. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Good stuff right now is the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers with 88 wins on the season. They are two wins away from a 90-win season. They are already five games better than what I predicted. And one of the little-known things that, uh, by the way, Ben Kenny was so quick to remind me the other day was that, yes, Christian Yelich now has gone the over. It was 18-and-a-half on the season. For home runs, I took the under, Ben took the over, and uh, Christian Yelich sitting at 19. 19 dingers. So congratulations to him. Stay tuned. We'll be back. More of the Bill Michaels Show. Final hour coming up next.